I just need to see Africa where it's meant to be, the Africa of my dreams. I just need to see Africa where the culture is vibrant, but we're at the cutting edge of science and technology and knowledge. There's no victim mentality. There's no all the dark continent. We're ahead of the pack in every area. Health, technology, education, uh, knowledge, contributing to the world. We have all the resources. Making sure that the people are happy, the culture is celebrated, vibrant, embraced. That's the world I want to see. And I want to see it now. I'm not even waiting 20 years. I can't wait 20 years. Happy Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the Brentes Foundation podcast. This is the place where we talk about the African continent's biggest and most pressing challenging issues and leverage best practice, not just on what to do, but how to do it. I'm your host, Marina Wellnwokulu, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. So the Ease of Doing Business Indicator is a system that ranks the regulatory environment in countries around the world. Over time, the index collated by the World Bank has amassed considerable influence over business regulations in most places of the world. Countries are eager to increase their year-on-year performance as well as gain the benefits of being perceived as reformist and growth-focused. Joining me today to talk about Nigeria's performance and quest to do better on creating a business-friendly environment is Dr. Jumoke Oduwale. Dr. Jumoke Oduwale is an academic, government advisor and advocate. She is special advisor to the president of Nigeria on the ease of doing business. Until her appointment in August 2019, Dr. Oduole was Senior Special Assistant in the Office of the Vice President on Trade, Industry and Investment. Her team is responsible for Nigeria moving up an unprecedented 39 places in the World Bank's flagship doing business report over the last three years, amongst other notable achievements. She's clearly the person to speak with, and I'm excited to do that. So without further ado, let's get right into the conversation. So Dr. Jumoke Oduwale, thanks so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Thank you for having me, Em happy to be here. Yeah, I've read quite a bit about you and the work that you do. So it's really exciting for me, not just because of the space that you're in, but also your sort of, you know, position in that space, which is traditionally in most, at least African countries, been a bit of a male dominated space. So it's going to be exciting. The World Bank Ease of Doing Business Indicators, right, have sort of been very successful in getting the attention of governments um, in the Mm -hmm. area of regulatory behavior. And evidently, Nigeria is one of them, right? So you have the, if I can call it, gargantuan task of helping with that. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your experience over the past two years um, working on the ease of doing business indicators in Nigeria and helping to move the country up some impressive 39 places? Okay, so thank you for that huge question. <laughs> we we started the journey five years ago, actually. It's five mm. years this year, in oh. 2016. Mm. And so we, we first took time to understand the doing business, um, the DB methodology, yeah. and also to do an audit of the Nigerian business climate, because our, our mandate is twofold is to improve the perception, but more importantly, is to make sure that there's tangible reforms. So the experience has been um, 
a mixed one, but really very positive. I've learned so much being able to deliver on this particular intervention. It's grown and grown from starting with about three indicators and a, a four-man team. We've just grown and grown to a national intervention covering all arms and levels of government, which means not only do we work with the federal government, we work with the National Assembly and the judiciary, and then we work with all the state governments. And more recently, last year, we started working with a local government here in Abuja, so cascading. Mm -hmm. In that time, yeah, we've been able to, to um, make sure that there's collaboration and, you know, that the intervention is well coordinated. Yeah. And we've enjoyed political support. So that helped with, with moving uh, public and civil servants, both at federal and state level, to deliver on interventions, layer automation, um, communicating with stakeholders, with the private sector, winning back their trust. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's that's been the journey. We've had some, some impact, as you noted, moved up 39 places. We've been twice recognized as a top 10 global reformer, that's Nigeria, in a span of three years. Yeah. So it, it, there's still a lot of work to do, though, a lot of right. work to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. So I think oftentimes we hear of improving your score, right? What does that entail or look like? Can you walk us through maybe like a practical example and it could be successful or otherwise? Okay. Um, <laughs> so when you talk about the doing business, you, you know it's a, it's a World Bank's flagship yeah. uh, business climate index and it measures 190 economies, mm -hmm. mainly their capital cities. In the case of Nigeria, any population over 100 million as at, I think, 2013, it measures the two largest cities. So for Nigeria, it's Lagos and Kano. Kano yeah. yeah. So what you have to do to improve on that ranking is the World Bank follows the, the life cycle of a business. So from starting a business all the way to insolvency. So mm -hmm. all the things that a small and medium-sized business needs to do, you need to pay your taxes, you need to get credit, you need to have access to land and property, you need yeah. to get electricity, all the way to insolvency if you need to wind up. Yeah. So if I want to walk you through starting a business, so what we did in Nigeria, after doing the audit of where Nigeria is in terms mm -hmm. of starting a business methodology, we engage with stakeholders, we engage with the professionals like lawyers, that work uh, for clients on starting a business. And we realized that there was far too much paperwork, it was taking too long, and the cost. So World Bank, the tool looks primarily at cost, it mm -hmm. looks at um, time, and it looks at transparency. Yeah. Yeah. So we worked on, on um, automating the process. So there, mm -hmm. were, there were about six forms and they were all manual, paper. So we consolidated them into one form and put it online mm -hmm. and reduced the time to 24 hours, first 48 hours, then later 24 hours to register and, and uh, start a business, four hours to reserve a business name. Also consolidating the, the payment of taxes. There's an element you need to get your tax uh, PIN number, making sure that that was integrated with technology, with the business incorporation process. Yeah. Just trying to, to limit and cascade and, and put together all the things that would take up time, all yeah. the things that would that make it expensive, uh, so that people could then register a business by themselves. So the cost of lawyers was removed. It didn't make me very popular, but you know, the <laughs> businesses loved it. Uh, so and then and then another landmark thing we worked on for starting a business was we partnered closely with the uh, Corporate Affairs Commission, lawyers 
uh, all stakeholders with the National Assembly to, to re-enact our primary corporate legislation in Nigeria. It's called mm. the Companies and Hired Matters Act 2020. It hadn't been revised in 30 years. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was a really big one for us. We got a lot of attention. Yeah. And we have reforms in there, like mm -hmm. the limited liability partnership, like single incorporation of a business, single shareholder, you know, cutting edge reforms that make sure that Nigerian business climate, you know, we have a very entrepreneurial population, mm -hmm. things that could make sure that they could uh, just scale and soar. So oh, that's wow. taking starting a business for you. And that has gotten us consistent increase in our points yeah. since 2016. In fact, the Corporate Affairs Commission keeps winning prizes because we do an annual recognition for the agencies mm. and the lawyers. I mean, it's not always smooth sailing. You know, sometimes the portal goes down and this and that. And then when, when people complain, I'm like, you guys have forgotten that three years ago we were on six manual forms. <laughs> so now everybody's <laughs> on the portal, nobody bagging for it, but they keep working and getting better and better. Yeah. So that's one practical example I can give you. So there are yeah. 11 indicators. And then we also work on non-World Bank, non-doing business indicators. Huh. that affect Nigerians in general. Because, we, you know, I told you we did an audit. So yeah. things like entry and exit of people, visas on arrival, mm -hmm. but we work on that to make sure you could get that in 48 hours. So mm -hmm. if you have a meeting with someone in South Africa uh, on Monday and you want them to meet with your partners in Nigeria on Friday, it's doable. It's doable. So, oh, yeah, amazing. so those are the kinds of things. So on average now, how long does it take to start a business? 48 hours. It's 48 hours. You can get it done. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Sheesh. We, we, well I, I actually want to say it's actually 24 hours, but I just want to give, give yeah, give it some room. <laughs> 24 to 48 hours. You can reserve a business name in four hours mm -hmm. uh, to a day, depending on whether you submitted in the morning or in the afternoon. But within 24 hours, you should be able to reserve your business name within 48 hours. Your processing should be gone. If you have all your documentation, mm -hmm. you just upload it. Yeah. And, and then before you even needed to, ex you needed to get a physical uh, registration certificate. But yeah. with the Companies and Hired Matters legislation, we put in there that an electronic certificate suffices. So mm -hmm. the process is end-to-end -end virtual now. Yeah, that's amazing. So I think in terms of improving sort of the score, a lot of this is outward facing, right? So showing like, you know, organizations like the World Bank that you are improving towards. I'm wondering, is there sort of outreach being done internally? So is this something that, you know, I guess you make noise about um, to the entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial community, maybe whether at university, no, so not. people know um, and can do more? Oh, you have to. You can't actually get the points. The points don't come from the noise government makes. Mm. The points come from the validation of the private sector. When people actually go. Bank. Yeah. Yeah, to the World Bank. So the World Bank interviews respondents. Mm -hmm. um, they fill a questionnaire. And it's our job to convince the respondents that the reform is live and active right. and validated. And the, the respondents have to corroborate and tell the World Bank that indeed they've used this, this service, indeed it's working. And you know, you know, if you know anything about Nigerians, especially uh, entrepreneurs say in Lagos, very, very opinionated, very critical. <laughs> so, so you have to be up on your game. You have to have stakeholder engagements. You have to have focus groups, demos, press releases, make sure the website is up to date. You have mm -hmm. to literally work it and, and make sure. It's a whole operation. 
you have to earn that trust and it's not easy it's not easy i bet one slip up and you have to talk for like two more years <laughs> two more so years you you're finished really, yes <laughs> yeah, yeah, i know that's really exciting to hear though so i think one of the things you mentioned um i wanted to ask about too is there work being done sort of to improve some of these indicators across other states so as you mentioned right now for nigeria it's more uh kano and lagos given sort of the uh population i guess parameters that they use but is there work being done to probably make this like a benchmark for states across board oh yes definitely mm. so you you know why why the doing business work is important is because we need to make sure that nigeria the whole of the country is a progressively easier place for businesses to start and, and flourish yeah. with our population and unemployment and all that so it's important to work across this, the the subnational level. Yeah. That's why I said we work with all arms and levels of government, cascading it down. Yeah. Now Nigeria is one of the countries that that is fortunate to have. The World Bank actually has a subnational report on Nigeria that they do once every four years. Mm. The last one was in 2018. That's ranking all the states. All the states. Um, and um, the next one is due in 2022. So we started working with the states in 2017 mm. to get them ready for that process. And we continue that work, making sure that every state has an ease of doing business council, has a reform champion, just replicating the federal process, cascading it down into all the states. And what that did was it made sure that 32 out of 36 states moved in the right direction. Oh, wow. We had very little attrition. Yes, all of them participated in the process for the first time ever because of the coordination and yeah. the political will. So we started it from the National Economic Council, which is chaired by the vice president, who also chairs the PEBEC. Mm -hmm. And he that's the pres that's the um the uh, council that I'm secretary to. So there was that synergy, uh, our brother agency or sister sort of council at that level, it has all the governors. So yeah. we were able to pitch to them to consult to cascade and replicate what was being done at the federal level. Of course, by then. We had had a big jump, 24 places, it was all over the media. Yeah. So there was that interest. So just in January, we, we uh, completed a subnational baseline study and we released it in March at the NEC. So that's uh, just looking at the entire business climate across yeah. the country. Even though the World Bank had done this, we decided to do our own homegrown because I told you we do more than, we go deeper. Because mm -hmm. the World Bank does 190 countries, the tool is not as deep as you want to do an in-depth country study. Yeah. yeah, so we have our own homegrown. So we look at infrastructure and security. That's the yeah. first one. Then we look at workforce readiness. We look at access to information and transparency. And then, of course, the regulatory environment. So we released that report in March, and it's helping the states. We're, we're partnering still to make their action plans more robust. So we've mm. been working together since 2017, and we've seen those tangible results that I mentioned. But it's also important that we had those empiricals updated, and we continue to strive to make sure that the results are empirically tracked. Because yeah. that's really what gets the results, the pressure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, certainly. So I think, what, what would you say are some of, you know, the challenges or the problem areas um, in your work right now when it comes to trying to improve your score? Where are some of those lingering areas that are proving slightly difficult? Hmm. Well, you know, to be honest, we are not so score specific. We've been doing quite well on the scores since 2016. We've improved year on year. We know, you know... We know the target areas, so what to do to improve 
your your score on taxation, continue to layer automation, on starting a business, continue to layer automation, on access to credit, continue to make sure that there are more opportunities. So we had to do a few legislations with the National Assembly yeah. uh, to legitimize our credit bureaus and to have a national collateral uh, registry for non non real estate assets. Yeah. Uh, but we we um, see that the areas that the businesses keep giving us uh, feedback on. We also mm. released the cost of compliance uh, report earlier in the year. The regulatory environment, some mm. of the structural uh, issues with the economy, um, but we don't work directly on those structural issues, but we work on the regulatory environment. So what we, we had the privilege of getting the first executive order of this administration on efficiency and transparency of public service delivery. Mm-hmm. We also launched an app way back in 2017, it's called reportgov.ng, and that uh, uh, is a ready portal for feedback. So things like time, um, regulatory approvals, uh, getting your taxes, all those kinds of bureaucratic uh, bottlenecks that can take up time and add cost. Yeah. Making sure that it's transparency, removing those human contact rent-seeking opportunities mm-hmm. and making it easier for businesses, like literally easier for businesses to yeah. operate in the environment. Mm. So those are what we primarily focus on, both yeah. for DB and non-DB. So it's 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 um, a constant uh, pressure. You take your foot off the accelerator, the, the reforms will unravel. Yeah. So we have to keep working with our internal stakeholders, our public and civil servants, encouraging them making sure there's consequence management. Uh, one of the, the, the hardest so far has been maybe the port reforms. We've been having challenges going repeatedly, trying to, to get that really on track. Mm. Another one, um, I think that's probably the toughest example, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and maybe electricity, but that's on the infrastructure side, which isn't really our mandate. So in terms of electricity process connection, we're doing quite well working with the discos. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's... Yeah. No, that's that's definitely very interesting. So what do you think, you know, in some of these areas, what would it take, right? So your job is try to get it up and some of these things fall outside of your mandates, but until they mm-hmm. sort of work as well as they need to, it still holds you back a little bit. What, what do you mm-hmm. think, you know, needs to be done to start to get around that? What needs to come into place or what needs to be taken out to make it a lot easier for your job to be sort of more successful? Yeah, well, you know, with with uh, transformation projects such as as doing business, basically, you need that political leadership, mm. really the attention. So now, with there's always a lot of stuff going on and a lot of attention. You know, there's health, there's education, there's security, there's this. So getting the attention of and keeping the attention of the presidency, the president, the vice president, the governors, the the Senate president, the head of the House of Rep, the speaker of the House of Representatives, making sure that they continue to engage. Right. So we continue to present our, our report findings, our recommendations. So I have to do a lot of um, sort of, well, I call it networking, a lot of engagement. <laughs> right. To lobby and advocate. Up, yeah. Yes. And then also managing down, because mm. you have to also make sure that the officers on ground are implementing the reforms. My team has to really have a lot of meetings and we have to track things so that we can escalate for consequence management and draw attention. We also work a lot with the private sector and with the media to highlight 
the changes and the problem areas. Mm-hmm. So we're not um, apolo- we're non defensive. We take the feedback. Yeah. We call out what isn't going well because that's what makes it go better. Mm-hmm. And so areas that are not directly under our purview, let's say some things that are maybe in the the pot example I used, we have to continue to bring it to everybody's attention that you know we need to fix the ports now there's afcfta we need to make sure that the different components uh the processes the people interface the infrastructure we need to keep calling attention to the cost doing comparative analysis with with uh regional uh, uh you know competitors and just generally advocating for the change so it's an ongoing process. It doesn't Certainly. stop. You can't get tired. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you get frustrated, you have to mm-hmm. like go to bed early, wake up again, and jump out there. Yeah. yeah. So that's okay. it. Yeah, that's good. So you have um, sort of the vice president on your committee. If there was one thing that you could do that you think would really make your job a lot easier, what would that one thing be? If you had like the power to make it happen, what would that one thing be? <laughs> oh, if it's two. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I wonder, I have too much of a wish list. <laughs> I have too much of a wish list, but I have to say that if it's one thing, like if I had a blank check. Yeah. Mm. So there are a lot of things that budget can solve. Right. So if I had a blank check and the the authority just to fully drive everyone to do exactly what I, I needed them to do and I had maximum cooperation from everybody you know change is so tough everybody thinks someone else should change you know they're (laughs) tough wars yeah you know it's not me it's them yeah so between the agencies and all that and then private sector just getting that trust and keeping it Mm. and making sure that they trust the system to try it because private sector also used to doing things in certain ways and so when you change the process sometimes they don't even want to know they don't want to try it Mm. this is the way i do it is working I have this, my guy, and I call this person. When I'm like, go online, go on the website, trust the information is updated. This is the documentation or report what's not going well and put your name on it. It's not a whistleblow. Like, just boldly say, and we'll take care of it. So that trust deficit. So I know you asked for one, but... Yeah, clearly there's a long wish list. Yeah, for sure. So I think thanks so much for that. One of the other questions that sort of came up when you started talking earlier is, when we're thinking about like the ease of doing business, does it or has it directly impacted like economic indicators at all? So if you're thinking about sort of GDP, if you're thinking about the level of FDI, is there any type of correlation? Are we seeing anything so far? In fact, that is one of the things that DB is known for. There's a 0.5% 0.5% um, increase in GDP for countries that are in the top uh, quadrant of, of doing business. So that's mm. an empirical fact. Mm-hmm. So we definitely are not yet in the top quadrant. But we're trying to, our target right now, our immediate target is to get into the second quadrant, top 100, and then move from there. So mm-hmm. far, mm-hmm. we've been tracking, you know, the, the administration as a whole has a, a focus on the economy and export-driven, just We've been trying to work on the job creation angle. Yeah. And we have a study just about to commence, actually. There's already work ongoing on trying to empirically track exactly what you asked for. Mm-hmm. Correlations with GDP, jo- correlations with job creation. Yeah. Trying to find out that, okay, all this man hours that we're saving SMEs, <laughs> what is it translating into in their right. business? 
the yeah. cost that we're saving them, what is it translating into in terms of being able to employ more people, have more jobs, the yeah. access to credit, being able to use uh, non-landed property as collateral, registering it in the collateral registry yeah. for national access. How has that freed up additional capital to reinvest, to plow back? And how is that furthering? And we have to kind of break it up into sectors because there's been COVID, there have been a lot of things. Mm, yeah. So there, there are particular, so we have some focus sectors that we look at like ICT, agriculture, a number of them. And we look at them, our creative space, especially because some of them really play to the, to the young demographic that we have, our young entrepreneurial population. There are not enough jobs, far from it. So we need to encourage that particular demographic to be able to thrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no. so that's what, we're, that's what we're trying to track right yeah. now, to have that concrete data to be able to make even more of a case Right. The reason we do these studies is that it helps us with our political will, getting the uh, presidency and the governors and the legislature even more interested mm-hmm. in this ease of doing business intervention. And so far with the reports we have, the cost of compliance revealed quite a bit. The yeah. national baseline study revealed quite a bit. We have an annual compliance report that we released three times. And of course, we have our annual report that we released three times as well. So. Yeah, that's really exciting stuff. So I think as we start to wrap up this conversation, there are a whole lot of questions I could ask you, but I won't keep you much longer than I bargained for. But I guess, what would you say, right, thinking back on your time over the past five years, you said it's been, what would you say are the three biggest lessons that you have learned from this process um, about improving the business climate of a country like Nigeria? And what are some of these things that you think others could benefit from if they pay attention to? Hmm. So I think that the first thing is that the intervention has to be well coordinated. Mm. I think that in the past, it's not like nobody has tried to do anything, but it was, you know, all over the different people trying to do different things. Yeah. So you have silos and sometimes they're working at cross purposes and there's not enough information sharing. So having a lot of collaboration, especially with the political will from yeah. right from the very top yeah. is critical. Mm. And then a lot of collaboration so you have agency turf wars, you have states, federal, national, you have to make sure that everybody's a partner, including private sector, because it's for them. Yeah. So if you're running an intervention that does not include the, the users of the reforms, then what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I remember there was the, the tax authority had done some online reform and it wasn't being used. So we went on a road show, that's my team, to yeah. find out, we took the tax authority with us to find out what the issue was. And it turned out that the automated process was far more complex than the manual process. Oh, goodness. And so accounting firms were like, why on earth would I leave what's simpler? Yeah. To jump into, yeah. So they had to work together mm-hmm. and, and simplify the, the automated process till it worked for the users. Mm-hmm. And then I think another critical thing is making sure that the reforms are institutionalized yeah, um, so that they don't unravel. I like to use a lot of legislation, a lot of automation, a lot of regulations, uh, a lot of transparency and, and um, strategic communication mm-hmm. to make sure that everybody knows what it is. So it's not dependent. There's no key man risk. There's no administration risk. It should endure uh, yeah. sustainably for the Nigerian economy. It's not a it's not a political project in that negative side of the of the word. Mm-hmm. It needs a lot of political engagement yeah. across all all stakeholders. 
mm-hmm. and everybody's vested because it's one economy. You can't divide it. Exactly. So yeah. So so those have been the things that we've learned. Uh, yeah. Consequence management is really important. Project yeah. is really important. So if you don't have, if there are no consequences for lack of of um, implementation, this is a problem. Right. So you find that when when we partnered with very reform minded agency heads or ministers or governors mm-hmm. or national assembly um, committees, we have a lot of traction because everybody's mm-hmm. engaged and vested. Right. And when, when you have people that are not as engaged, then the process is slower. If we have to track different reform areas, the, the difference would emerge quite clearly. Mm-hmm. There's mm. no like sort of stick to make sure that they actually do it. So it's like you have to hope that they are reform minded because if they're not, mm-hmm. there's not much you can do. I imagine mm-hmm. that's definitely challenging. All right. So I think as we start to wrap up, I think one of the most important questions, please, from my side is you are one of, you know, just a handful of women um, in the financial policy space in Nigeria. Right. <laughs> Has that presented any additional challenges in your career? And what advice would you have for women, other women um, who are interested in working in government or around sort of this idea of like fiscal policy? Hmm. I'll say it's been one of the best experiences of my life. Uh, go for it. Jump in. People give give uh, public policy a bad rap. Mm. I think that it's it's tough, but it but it's very very fulfilling when you see the impact on lives. Yeah, I think that I've I've benefited from being a woman on this position. I've mm-hmm. not had adverse disadvantage for my work, but I think that being a woman, I'm well uh, placed. Um, it's it's a lot of technical work and at the same time networking. So it requires a lot of tenacity, courage ability to multitask, engage with multiple layers of stakeholders with empathy and to build trust. Yeah. So I believe that building a, being a woman has really helped me in this role. But yeah. as you go higher, particularly in, in political space, and you need influence, you need stronger networks. So my, my advice to other women is to really take advantage of networks of other women that are yeah. leaders, right. uh, both in your country and around the continent and globally. To ensure that you have a strong uh, network. Uh, for instance, I'm an Amuje uh, fellow. I'm a, in the initial cohort, and that has just opened me up to a whole bunch of support uh, from President Ellen Johnson Sirleaf and her friends, our, our fellow coaches. So the foundation works on women and development. Yeah, uh, things like that make you you can lay you can leverage on other people's experiences. You can share your own. Yeah. You know, you have friends in powerful places. And in your country also, women should also remember to lift up other women, to make sure that we're all going at this together. So you don't feel lonely. You don't feel alone. Mm. I have a whole pool of mentees, both both uh, female and male, actually. Mm. And and just make sure that because when you when you engage with, with men also and you, you mentor them, you're able to influence them and help them to realize what it is to have female colleagues, um, work with female leaders, uh, nurture female leaders in their own teams, and to be conscious of those issues even as they they go out there. So it's been a really good experience. The vice president has a lot of females on his team. He's always been that kind of leader. And so I'm I'm having a blast. It's, it's, (laughs) It's not easy work, but I wouldn't trade the experience I've had in the last six years for anything. It's been amazing. Yeah, no, that's really good to hear. And if I may ask, if there are, you know, top 
two to three skills, right? What would you say are those skills that people that are looking to work in sort of the policy space with government should start harnessing? Let's say you're speaking to people coming out of university. What would you say are those top two to three skills that they need to ensure that they have or at least start to gather through experiences if that's the space they want to be in? Mm. Okay. Apart from excellence, which is like competence should be given, your technical capability should be given in any area. If you want to work, mm. work in financial policy space or health or anywhere, you should be really yeah. top of your game. Uh, don't mm. bring mediocrity anywhere near the table. Some people think that going into public sector is going to have an easy ride. Far from it. Mm. And you shouldn't, that shouldn't be what you're thinking in, in the first place. But I'm assuming that we're talking to really you know, go-getters here. Yeah, yes. So come with your A-game. But when yeah. you come, just leave your emotions at home. <laughs> you know, just leave your emotions at home. How so? Come with tenacity. Mm. Come with courage. Come with boldness. Come with, with discipline. Come with uh, just... Failure is not an option. You're going to succeed at this. Yeah. So those are the kinds of, of uh, bold... Uh, you know, just even forget you're a female. Don't even let it be an issue. Just push, 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 push. Whatever it is you have to do, push, yeah. push, push. When you need support as a woman, there will be people to call on. And mm. people will notice you just from the excellence that you bring to the table and the tenacity. So it's one thing to even be really competent. But if you don't have the emotional intelligence and if you're not bold and courageous to put yourself out there, don't wait for people to invite you to the table. Grab the chair and sit at the table because you belong there. Hmm. Yeah, so Definitely. don't even wait for any favors or any handouts or, oh, no one's inviting me to this party. Show up. And go and for show it. show up with your A game, yeah. Yeah, well, that's exciting. So, Dr. Oduale, taking a broader <laughs> view, right, of the country and the world at large right now, can you quickly describe for me your world as it is now and what you'd like it to be in, say, 20, 25 years? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> that is I, I absolutely had to go there. <laughs> That's the height of a curveball in the middle of, I don't even know how to. Okay, let me just put it like this. I'm going to put it right back to you because we're African here. Yeah. You watch the movie Black Panther. Yes. Wakanda Forever. I just need to see Africa where it's meant to be, the Africa of my dreams. I just need to see Africa where the culture is vibrant but we're at the cutting edge of science and technology and knowledge mm. there's no victim mentality there's no all oh, the dark continent we're ahead of the pack mm. in every area health technology education uh, knowledge contributing to the world we have all the resources yeah making sure that the people are happy the culture is celebrated vibrant embraced that's the world I want to see. And I want to see it now. I'm not even waiting 20 years. I can't wait 20 years. Every like day tomorrow I should be this way. I can't, I can't wait 20 years. Rightfully so, yeah. 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 You know, Dr. Jumoke Oduali, thank you so, so much. This has been thank an absolutely so much, pleasant Rano. conversation. <laughs> Same here. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. So, 
That was Dr. Jumoke Oduwale, Special Advisor to Nigeria's President Buhari on doing business and an Amoje leader at the Ellen Johnson Sirleaf Presidential Center for Women and Development. I sure did learn a lot about what it means to improve your score as well as the lingering challenges that mostly involve the lack of political will to, ex to the extent that it is needed. I hope you learned a few things too. Yes? Okay. As always, um, if you enjoyed this content, please do share it with others. And thank you so much for tuning in. And from my side, it's been an absolute pleasure sharing this time with you. Until next week, stay safe and stay well. Goodbye.